0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Daring, and with me is my other co-host, Jeff Anderson. Jeff, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Bucks are
1: keeping us on our toes, man. Two and two is what the series is at right now. So, uh, man, it's going to be a huge game, uh, game five on Saturday. Fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, man, I... I was able to go to the Deer District for game six against Brooklyn, like I mentioned before. I'm going to have to head there. Um, I'm going to have to make a trip there for, a, for one of these games. Um, yeah, man. Um, so, you know, not we're going to skip a little college segment this week. Um, we're going to get right into our division. So, you're going to listen to this first. Totally okay. Um, but we had we had not uploaded the other one. Um, The episode from last week, which I believe was the NFC East. Um, So we're just going to upload those together. Um, Plan on both of those being out tomorrow. Um, So yeah, so let's get right into it. Like I said, this week's going to be the AFC North, which means next week's going to be our division, the NFC North with our Green Bay Packers, which should be very interesting, especially with all the Aaron Rodgers drama the past few months. So let's start with the AFC North. And let's start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, we understand we saw some news out coming out today with the Pittsburgh Steelers. With Dwayne Haskins, we don't need to get too deep into that. Um, but, I mean, speaking of their quarterback situation, you know Ben Ratlisberger's coming back from an injury. Uh, but they, they have Ben Ratlisberger, they re-signed Mason Rudolph, and they have Dwayne Haskins on their roster. So they have three quarterbacks on their roster. They lost Alex Villanueva. Juju Smith Schuster took a massive discount. So the receiver room right now doesn't look too deep. It's, you know, it consists of Juju, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. Um, and Eric Ebron, I think either has a year left. I think he has a year left. But um, when we, once we get to the draft, I think this is one of my favorite picks in this for the Steelers, other than Najee, and that's pat fryer with but jeff what are your thoughts on the offseason of the pittsburgh steelers
1: i'm very conflicted about it um because for me the biggest elephant in the room with the steelers roster is that quarterback with ben roethlisberger Uh, i think it's safe to say last year we saw him decline um pretty significantly whether that was due to you know the team around him kind of fell apart a little bit with injuries um, especially in that second half after they started out what was it 11 and 0 or something and then they went on to only win I think one game the rest of the regular season something like that Uh, just kind of a total collapse on their part at the end of the year and I would have liked to see them at least address the quarterback position a little more I know they brought in Dwayne Haskins um, but as you know, we've talked about before. I, I'm i not entirely sure how much faith you can put in him. Mason Rudolph has shown he can be a viable backup in the past, um, but that's about it. So then looking at the rest of this team, well, you can argue that the biggest reason why Ben struggled was because his offensive line was hurt a bunch last year. So you would think that the next logical thing to do is, you know, maybe beef up the offensive line a little bit in the off season, but I mean, they brought in, they they drafted in the third round Kendrick Green from Illinois. But I really think, and I'm kind of jumping the gun here a little bit with the draft, but I don't think that first pick should have been Najee Harris. Um, I think it should have been an offensive lineman, even their Agreed. second pick. Uh, I'm okay with the Pat Farmuth pick, but I think one of their first two should have been an offensive lineman, specifically a center such as maybe, you know, Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson. Um, those are just my kind of thoughts. The big elephant in the room, you know, how elite this defense is. It doesn't matter, I think, with Big Ben still at quarterback. So uh, what are your thoughts, I guess, on Big Ben? Where do you think he's at this point in the career? Do you think they still have a shot at a deep playoff run, let alone the AFC North title with mm. how Big Ben is right now? Or do you really think it's that not that bad?
0: So I was actually talking to my buddy. Um, we were making divisional predictions. He had the Ravens taking this division. I've got the Browns and the Ravens taking a wild card. I personally don't have the Steelers making the playoffs this year. Um, you know, we also f- tend to forget, you know, they lost Villanueva. Villanueva was also getting old. Um, the Ravens traded Orlando Brown to the Chiefs, which we'll get to the Chiefs because clearly they weren't messing around with the offensive line this offseason. Ravens went out and signed Alex Villanueva. Um, A few weeks ago, the Steelers went out and signed Trey Turner, which, you know, isn't a bad move, but I fully agree with you. I mean, Najee Harris was also one of those picks that was such a match made in heaven. Um, But right, they need an offensive line. And Big Ben has a year left. I think he's retiring after this year. Yeah. Um, And. I think the Steelers are going to be looking towards a quarterback and, you know, I think the best fit for that guy and we're going to be talking more college during the season, especially within the next month that's Cincinnati's quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Um, I think that's the best fit for him because I don't think Mason Rudolph's their guy. Um, Yeah. They're probably going to give him a chance. Dwayne Haskins. I mean, he's either going to be their QB three or he is not going to be on the roster next season. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of people had so much faith in Dwayne Haskins, but now it seems to be the Ohio state curse of quarterbacks, which people still write on Justin Fields. Um, but you also have to remember that Justin Fields came from the sec playing with Georgia, which is arguably the best, um, arguably the best, um, Conference in college football in the conference that is the closest related to co- or to the NFL.
1: Yeah, I really wouldn't say it's that close for the best conference. I'd say they're like head over heels the best conference. The SEC. Yeah, you can make an argument for like the Big Ten or other think, places, but I I think the SEC is the best.
0: I think the I think the Big Ten's right behind it, but the Big Ten was also not very good this past season. The Big That's Ten true. showed a lot of promise the first few games. Yeah, especially with the Badgers. Yeah, and you know Indiana came out. Um, I think they got a four or five star receiver that from Indiana, that ended up coming to Indiana over other big schools. Um, Penn State, James Franklin's got to be a hot seat coach. Tom Allen's really turned it on. Nick Fitz or Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern. Um, But you know that Northwestern lost quite a few players. Peyton Ramsey's gone. Um, Greg newsom has gone. Rashawn Slater's gone. Um, but Indiana has a lot of guys returning. Indiana didn't really lose a whole lot. Um, but the big 10 also wasn't very, um, they were very disappointing this year. Um, I think the big 10 is right behind SEC. And I think the third is the ACC, um, and I think the fourth and fifth is definitely a toss-up between the Big 12. I, I The the one knock, I mean, the Big 12 has garbage defense. The Big 12's not known for having talented defense. Yes, you have teams, um, you know, like Oklahoma, that produce defensive talent. Like we've seen before, guys like Kenneth Murray in the 2020 draft by the Steelers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Um, and I, I don't see the Steelers coming out of the I don't see the Steelers coming out of this division I don't think they're a wild. I think I I think their ceiling is a wild card team I, I don't think they're winning this division I don't think they're better than the Ravens I think the Steelers are going to be very very close to having to rebuild their offense Um, and like I was telling my friend and Darius had mentioned this to me as well the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm not comparing, but the, the Eagles, I think the Eagles have pieces where they can be a two to three year max rebuild, where they're not going to be a New York Jets or a Cincinnati Bengals, you know, years down the road rebuild. I think they have pieces that they could potentially only be a two year rebuild, maybe three at the very most. Um, but, you know, they the Steelers still have a strong defense. They also drafted Buddy Johnson, Pat Friermuth um who you know had a little bit of a disappointing season at Penn State but Penn State as a whole also struggled um they lost journey brown halfway through the season with a health condition you know wasn't able I I think journey brown could have been drafted I think he would have been a day 2 draft pick third round pick um but you know he had a lot of promise I think I think he would have had a decent NFL career as a very reliable second option to an NFL team um but Journey Brown, they lost him. Um obviously they they Micah Parsons opted out, who was probably one of, if not the most historically best recruit in Penn State history. Um, they also drew up Brown and Tony who was drafted by the Washington football team in the seventh round, I think it was. Um, but they've got some good guys. I mean, we were just we were just talking about Penn State before we went live. Um you know, guys like Rashid Walker, Sean Clifford is not good, but they got Drew Aller, five star quarterback coming in Tariq Castro fields. I mean, th- th- they have they have prospects, um, but I, I don't see the Steelers coming out overall. Um, Pat Fryman, if they can turn him into baby Gronk, which is what everyone says, he's he's versatile. He's extremely versatile. You got Kyle Pitts at the tight end one. I, I've i got, I mean, Frymuth is the clear cut tight end two. I think going into the season, yeah. going into the season, I think a lot of people had Frymuth as being this locked in first round pick. Both versatile guys. Kyle Pitts has proven at wide receiver. And now, especially with Julio gone, you might see You might see a little bit more, at least for his rookie season, while they still have Hayden Hurst on their roster of Kyle Pitts as a receiver. Um, not more than tight end, but you might see a little bit more than, you know, we'd think. But and then you go over to Frymouth, who can make plays in your backfield as a halfback. Um, so, I mean, I love this pick. That is an outstanding pick. Um, other, other than Najee, I would argue that is easily the best pick for them. They also went out and drafted a punter in the fifth round. Um, Presley Harvin out of Pittsburgh. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see this team coming out of the north. Well, um, I mean, any any last thoughts?
1: They also drafted, actually. One, yeah, I was going to mention they
0: drafted our guy, Isaiah right. Loudermilk
1: yep. in fifth round.
0: Yep, they drafted Isaiah Loudermilk. And, you know, if you haven't done, gotten the chance to check that out, super humble guy. And I remember, you know, listening to it again and reaching out to you, Jeff. I said, you know, the one... The one quote that stood out is, you know, he doesn't want to be remembered for his talent or not just his talent. I should say he wants to be remembered for the player he is in the NFL. And that is one thing that stood out. And you no, know, the, the, the the Steelers are really getting a humble player in him. And the Steelers D line is that deep. So Loudermilk will probably play a good, like good amount this year. Yeah, he'll be a rotational guy. Maybe his first year. He certainly has the talent. Like, yeah, maybe like. Guys like him, especially at Wisconsin, his statistics don't necessarily pop out, but the dude's got the talent. So we're excited for Isaiah Loudermilk. That was so cool to see him get drafted um, in the fifth round of the draft as well. Um, So, you know, good luck. You know, Rashad Wild Goose as well. Once we get to the Bills was drafted later in the rounds as day three. But yeah, man, Loudermilk is a big run stuffer, and that's something that, you know, that's something that they need. Bugton proves a big loss. They need another guy to get to the quarterback. And I think Isaiah Laudermilk can be that guy.
1: Yeah. Uh, one other name I wanted to mention real quick in the sixth round, who I was surprised fell this far. And you had mentioned this a lot as well is Quincy Roche out of Miami. Uh, mm-hmm. We mentioned in the past, he is probably the uh, person that has hurt the most um, by Jalen Phillips last year at Miami and by, you know, just not being there. Um, so I think he was a little bit undervalued in this draft. I like that. He went here at the spot to the Steelers. So, I mean, like we've said before, man, the Steelers defense is no joke, but all their issues really seem to come down to the offensive side of the ball specifically at the quarterback spot. So we'll see how it goes for him, but I don't have a lot of faith similar to you.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. And like, especially with this team getting stronger, like obviously the Bengals, which we'll get to last, but I mean, this team is very close to being that average team. And I think that might be, I think that might be exactly what's going to happen, especially since they drafted. It's like the Cardinals last year. I talked about the Cardinals. They. They addressed everything they needed to last year, but they only they only they barely addressed their offensive lineman. They they took one lineman in the entire draft. Same thing with the Steelers. They took Dan Moore out of Clemson in the later rounds, but they sh- I agree, Jeff. Like yes, Najee was a good pick. You should have taken a lineman with your first two picks. Um, and I think this team is very close. We seem to be on the same page with this team. Um, but let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens, um, and you know this is a team that you know really needs their clear-cut wide receiver one. Marquise Hollywood Brown showed a lot of promise his first year, but hasn't really done much. Just tell my buddy, same guy I was talking to about all this before we were one. We went on air. I don't think Marquise Brown's a wide receiver one on every on any other team in the NFL. I think Marquise Brown, I think Rashad Bateman is their new wide receiver one. They also brought in Sammy Watkins. They need more targets for Lamar. And people's only excuse is that Lamar doesn't throw the deep ball. Lamar has thrown the deep ball, and we've seen drop passes from Marquise Brown in frustration. This team, I think, is a divisional team at best, but I think they're getting the wild card. Um let's start with their offseason as a whole. They traded Orlando Brown um and they also brought in Al- Alejandro Villanueva. I mean to me that's a veteran piece. He he'll start. That's a veteran piece. He's there for a year. Um I don't recall who they brought I feel like they might have brought in someone on the defensive side of the ball, but Patrick Queen's going to be the it's the face of that defense. Um, One of the faces, I should say, because they have an extremely, extremely, I almost want to say underappreciated secondary core with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, um, because they really nailed that trade well with the Chiefs when they ended up trading for Marcus Peters. But, you know, let's start with the offseason, Jeff, for the Ravens. What are your thoughts on that? So the
1: Ravens had a lot of guys this offseason and they weren't going to be able to keep all of them. Uh, So Matt Judon ends up going to the Patriots. Yannick Ngakwe ends Mm -hmm. up signing with the Raiders. Although, if we're being honest, I'm not sure if they were looking to re-sign him anyway. Uh, They did bring in Sammy Watkins as a third piece. So the wide receiver room now looks like it's going to be Hollywood Brown, Sammy Watkins, and Rashad Bateman.
0: Devin Devin Duvernay is your slot
1: guy, special teamer. Yep. Uh, they also re-signed Tyus Bowser this mm-hmm. offseason as well. Um, so, really, the offseason for them, in terms of not free agents, was, I think, just about damage control more than anything. You know, lower cap year, don't have as much money to spend on bigger names, so bringing a guy like Villanueva, who's a little bit cheaper, who can give you some offensive line help immediately. But then, moving on to the draft, I uh, I think they kind of nailed every single pick except for one of them. And that was the pick that they traded with the Chiefs when they drafted formerly known as Jason Owe, but Odafe Owe, as he now wants to go by. Uh, I I like the pick uh, maybe a little high for me. Um, I understand that he's this huge physical prowess and all that stuff, but I think he needs a little bit of a development, which I think this is the right spot for him you know, as we've seen with all these big bruisers up front mm. for Baltimore, but you know, I talked about this when they made that trade with the chiefs in the first place, <clears throat> they didn't want to pay Orlando Brown. Right. I think it's pretty clear. That's why they traded him. But then to not use that pick on an offensive lineman, I think is a little bit weird to me. Now they did in the third round draft, Ben Cleveland. I love that pick. I for them. love
0: that pick. I yeah. love
1: that pick. Um, But I would have liked to see them get a tackle um, at that spot, maybe. I I can't recall who was on the board still. Um, But I would have liked to see them maybe get one of those tackles. Actually, I mean, we mentioned a lot. Tevin Jenkins was still on the board. There were a lot of guys on the board at that point. Yeah. I mean, that that one, I understand he had that injury, but that's still mind-boggling. Ah, uh, they also drafted in the fourth round. I really like this pick as well. Tylen Wallace, another wide receiver who can just sit there and grow. Uh, he is really good after the catch, breaks tackles like nobody's business. Um, he's a little bit smaller, but you know we've seen more and more that's completely viable in the NFL if you have other things to make up for it. Um, they also drafted talk about a fall from grace, Sean Wade in the fifth round. Yeah, uh, kind of getting exposed last year as a slot corner at best, um, but overall, I I like the draft. I, I like it, not love it. I guess is how I would describe the off season for the Ravens. Uh, I think they did just enough where they're a slightly like they're about the same team they were, or they're a little bit better than they were before, just because they bring in Bateman, they bring in Cleveland, uh, they bring in these offensive guys who can help out there. Um, but I think there were a couple of misses in here that they might be biting themselves for uh, going into next season where they're trying to compete for the AFC North.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a team, like you had mentioned, Jeff, that they did everything they needed to. And like you said, talk about a fall from grace, Sean Wade. And I don't remember if I mentioned this to you or one of my other podcasts or live shows that I've been on, but Jordan Reed from the Draft Network. Um, if you're familiar with him, he's the draft network is amazing. Like great, extremely talented group of guys. He had mentioned the idea. This was before Sean Wade. I think this was like right after the national championship game because Sean Wade got cooked against. Yeah, Devin, that like Devontae that was the ga-
1: that was the game where everybody kind of that was the final nail in the coffin for Sean Wade's draft. Right. Time.
0: And he had mentioned the idea of Sean Wade staying back on one more year and potentially switching safeties to college. And I've never heard that. Like, I thought that was an Like ex- that, that was a really interesting idea. Like, obviously, that wasn't going to happen um, because if he screws up at safety and tries to go at safety, that hurts his draft stock even more than what it was. You also mentioned Tylan Wallace. That's a guy that I think has so much potential if he can stay healthy. Yeah, because he went through and and like it's like the one guy I like to bring up too is and he he proved me wrong his rookie year. Lavisca Chenault Jr. out of Colorado Delt went through injuries his entire college career at Colorado. If you're going through injuries like that, other than like minor sprains or concussions, if you're going through bigger injuries like that throughout your college career, that is a red flag. Tylen Wallace came off of what a torn ACL. But this dude has so much promise. And, you know, their wide receiver room is, like you had mentioned, I think Rashad Bateman is going to be their one. I think Marquise Brown is going to be their two. Sammy Watkins is going to be their three. Occasional Tylan Wallace slash Devin DuVernay. So I, I think the value they got Tylan Wallace in, they could easily turn that into a steal. And the receiver room for Baltimore right now, is deep enough where you don't have to rush him back from where he had left off from his injury and oklahoma state i think was also a little bit overrated um at chuba hubbard had one good season and people were seeing him as this first round quarterback i'm like come on give me a break he's not even top five um in my opinion i i don't even think he's top seven i put him in the eight to ten range um we don't need to get too deep into that but oklahoma state my point is is OK State also had dealt with injuries? Spencer Sanders was injured. They put in Shane Illingsworth. Shane Illingsworth was awful. Like he was I think he was a freshman and he looked scared to to like to be on the field. And they had another guy. Um maybe it wasn't they they had they had another quarterback and he just looked scared. And I don't remember if it was Shane Illingsworth, but I can find it later. But um they lost Matthew Judon. Um they lost Yannick going to the Raiders as well. Um I, I I don't think their draft pick was that bad. I think they did everything they needed to. And you know, Jason Owe is the last thing I was gonna mention. It was a little bit of a reach. Um, I mentioned Shaka Tony earlier being, you know, very much a sleeper candidate. And if you look at the statistics. Shaka Tony has better statistics than Jason Owe. But I think people are more impressed and more. I think people are buying more of the upside of Jason Owe and the talent. He's versatile. Um, and the, the the Ravens don't have a ton of depth in their edge rusher room. Um, Jason Owe finished the season with 36 tackles. He's extremely quick. Um you don't see him too overly active with his hands. that is something that he'll have to be, i mean easily coached upon um, but this is a guy that I think i mean has a lot of potential clearly i mean i i, I thought I thought he was a clear cut second round pick. I'm not so sure if I would have drafted him in the first round.
1: yeah, I mean, I will say if there's any situation that was good for him to go to, it was Baltimore where, while they, they don't have a lot yeah. of depth so he can still get reps in, mm-hmm. but then they also have, I mean, some pretty big names that have gone through uh, that defensive line before in that front seven. We've I mean, seen.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was finished. Go ahead. I mean, look who he's getting to learn from like Calais Campbell yeah. and, you know, Yannick and God, like he, he's, He's going in to a really nice opportunity to really groom into a really nice, reliable starting edge rusher on the opposite side of Calais Campbell, because Calais Campbell is starting to get up there in age. He's in his, what, 30? I think he's 32. I think he's I think 34. Yeah, I was going to say he's very close to his mid-30s. So, I mean, they're to a point where they're going to want an edge rusher that can start now. They can can groom while still have the talent to start now. I'm not saying always bad enough where he should be, like, sitting a year. But, I mean, if he goes to a team that's, like, loaded with an edge rusher, let's just take the Green Bay Packers, for example, because Preston Smith's free agent. I'm not saying they should have taken an edge rusher that early, which they obviously shouldn't. But that's a team where they weren't as desperate for an edge rusher. Or even the Cardinals. Even the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals still could have taken... An, I guess that's a better example. The Cardinals still could have taken an edge rusher in the first round. Um, I think I love the Zayvon Collins pick. They should have went corner with their first pick. But that's a team... Like, J.J. Watt's only on a one-year contract. They drafted Victor Kandishi out of Duke in the later rounds. But you're getting to learn from J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. That is a team where... If, you, if they would have drafted Jason Owe, for example... They wouldn't have to rush him in. So clearly, Baltimore was extremely desperate for an edge rusher. And he wasn't even the best edge rusher on the board. They could have taken Gregory Russo. Um, and Gregory Russo fell to the Bills, which we will get to in a few weeks.
1: Yeah, this... So I, you said that you have them finishing second in the division?
0: I do. I've right? got them taking second place. I think they're... You think, the think they're getting a playoff a, spot? I think they're. I think they're going to get a wild card spot. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah,
1: that's about where I have them as well. And I think my main reason for that, it doesn't even have to do with anything we've talked about to this point. It has to do with the predictability of the Ravens' offense and how much I think that's going to factor into it. We saw last year, Greg Roman kind of sometimes got stuck in a jam calling plays because, uh-huh. so he was so used to calling these run plays and teams. kind of a little bit figured out lamar in the running game not you know nothing crazy. he's still an amazing runner the best one of the best running quarterbacks we've already ever seen on the spot but that's going to be a big hurdle for this team is can greg roman get a reliable passing game going for this team
0: right and like this is also a team like first i mean jk dobbins mark ingram's gone that team, like, J.K. Dobbins is going to be their starter.
1: And then Gus Edwards as the backup. Right.
0: I mean, they don't have – they're not that deep. And they went into last season doing a running back by committee. Love the J.K. Dobbins pick. I think he's going to really – I think he's going to break out. I think this year he is going to break out, especially since the wide receiver room. Like, I as much as I think Rashad Bateman is going to be the wide receiver one, like, we don't know, like – we don't know who the one is. We don't know who the two is, and we don't know who the three is in that, in, in that, in particular order. Obviously, like outside of Mark Andrews, like at their tight end position, because they're set at tight end. But like, we don't know. Like, is, is Hollywood Brown still going to be their one? Or are they going to give it to um, Rashad Bateman, which they should? Because he's, the, I think he's the future okay. of that wide receiver room. Or. Are you going to put Watkins up there for a year and have Hollywood Brown be a slot guy? I mean, we th- there is so much uncertainty in both their wide receiver room, more so their running back room. But I'd be very, I'm very curious to see what the depth chart for that for that wide receiver room come looks like, come week one. If if Marquise Brown, more so specifically where Marquise Brown ends up, and two, Greg Roman is a name that i think could very well heat up depending on how that raven's offense plays this this coming season for head coaching jobs um specifically who i think he would be very i'd in- be very interested to see how he does there is the denver broncos vic fangio deserved a head coaching job but i don't think denver was the right spot they should have gone for an offensive minded coach Especially since ever since they got Peyton Manning, they have not nailed at drafting a quarterback at all. And by Peyton Manning, I obviously know they didn't draft him, obviously. They traded for him. Uh, no, I think they signed him free agency. But anyways, you get my point. Yeah. But, I mean, this team, I think, did everything they needed to do. But I think they're a wild card team at best. And Greg Roman, I think, depending on how the Ravens offense plays this coming season... His name could heat up for head coaching jobs next after next season. So, the next team, and this is who I have coming out of this division, and that's the Cleveland Browns. And the Cleveland Browns just put a beating on the Pittsburgh Steelers the first round of the playoffs. I love, I love these draft picks they went out and took greg Newsom. they went out their first two picks were guys that you know greg Newsom was a clear first round favorite their second round pick should have been drafted in the first round and that's jeremiah Wusakoromoa. and that is a player coming from a packer fan i know we try not to be biased here that is a player that i oh my i wanted him so bad love the eric stokes pick i think he's going to be very good but I really, really wanted J.O.K. And they really they came out a few days after the draft and said that J.O.K. had a heart condition, but I think he'd like grown out of it or something. I think he'd like grown out of it, uh, which is the reason why he had fell to the second round, which I think is that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, I mean, he, he's not Zaven Collins' size because Zavin Collins is moves very quick for his size. He's 270. <laughs> but Greg Newsom. I guess we can start with that. Greg Newsom. Um, if you want to talk about hip mobility in this draft out of all the corners, I think Greg Newsom has the best hip mobility in this draft. And if you watch him, like the way he opens up his hips, he just does it so fluidly and so like with ease. Greg Newsom, I think, is going to be very good. I mean, you you've got Greg Newsom on one side. And you have Denzel Ward on the other side. And I think that they they just picked up Denzel Ward's option, I think, at the beginning of the offseason, if I'm not mistaken. And you have Greedy Williams as your three guy. I mean, that's a very promising secondary core there. And in terms of free agency, the big name that they went out and signed was Jadavian Clowney to a one-year deal. I mean, I think he's overrated right now at this point, but... It's similar to the Malcolm Butler signing overrated Malcolm Butler signing to the Cardinals. They're both these guys are both on one year deal. So they can really, really perform because Malcolm Butler is going to probably he's going to start. They have Byron Murphy on one end and they have Malcolm Butler on the other. They went out and drafted Marco Wilson out of Florida, but he's I don't think he's going to start. But these guys, Malcolm Butler and Davian Clowney. They're only on one year deals and I think they're basically prove it deals. They're not these veteran minimum deals, but they're prove it deals to prove that they are still worth more than what they got. They are still worth they are still worth a lot more money than what they got. And, you know, Jadavian Clowney I think has I think several people, you know, we've seen now that have said they are overrated, that he is overrated. But you got Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett. That's gonna be scary for that division.
1: This team made a lot of moves this offseason that I really liked. Uh, another big name that they brought in from the Rams is John Johnson yep. at safety. So now you have in the secondary, you've got Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams at corner, like you'd said. Grant Delpit at free safety, John Johnson at strong safety. Yep. And then you can also have mm-hmm. JOK do some coverage stuff as well because he was the best coverage linebacker in the yes. class last year he was oh, like yeah. no, somewhere was... between a safety linebacker like I think he was the, the, top the ter- stereotypical like modern linebacker who can cover Absolutely. as well as come down very hard on the run like they made so many good moves i think jadavian clowning like you'd said prove it deal but still having a guy like that next to miles garrett that's not bad <clears throat> at all And then in the third round, this was an interesting pick. They drafted Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn, who was literally, he was a track star, who Uh Auburn Auburn asked, hey, do you want to come play football for a year and see how that works out? And Mm. if he can just sit with this fairly, I would say, as of now, it's somewhat of a deep wide receiver room. We've got Odell, Jarvis Landry. Maybe gets a little shallow after those two. Donovan Shard, Higgins, Jones. Jonathan Peoples Jones uh, as well. So I think those two guys are for sure going to be ahead of him on the depth chart. So he's got time to grow and sort of develop something other than just a nine route, which is really the only thing that he can run right now. Um, but I mean, he runs it very well. Mm. The dude is super fast. Um, so I also, another name I wanted to mention, Dimitri Felton with their yeah. last pick in the sixth round. Uh, dude was listed as a running back coming out, coming out. He is a wide receiver. He's mm-hmm. a he's like a scat back to a T. Um, you might see him take the field a couple times on some crazy passing plays. He's going to be exciting to watch if he gets on the field. Um, but we'll see with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt there, uh, and and even Dearnest Johnson, pardon me. So as you had said, I think this team is poised to win this division. Um honestly I think they're ceiling depending on how well Baker plays this year they could win 13 14 games even depending on how well he plays.
0: Yeah, and I'm really excited to see what they're able to do with Anthony Schwartz, yeah, Demetric Felton, but I mean if Demetric Fel- if they use Demetric Felton as this primary wide receiver you're not going to count out the the fact that he still has the versatile ability to play at the running back position. I mean, he, he went into the senior bowl saying, okay, I'm going to switch to wide receiver. Um, but you know, Anthony Schwartz, Anthony Schwartz might've been the fastest player in this draft class. He lit up the 40th. Wasn't it like a four two or something like I that? I think so. Like that is unreal. And like you said, a track star and like, those multi, those multi-sport athletes like that coming into play. Like we've seen, rugby guys, L- Lucky Foto, Lecky Foto is a perfect. Lecky Foto was recruited from Utah by Utah as a rugby player, and when he got drafted, there was there were rugby highlights of him that surfaced, and he's he's going to be there too. Um, their number two guy out in Arizona. Um, which I love that pick. Which we'll get to the Cardinals in a few weeks here, but um. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited what they're able to do with Anthony Schwartz. The dude has unreal speed. He's, I think, he could be their true slot guy. You might see some, you know, plays out from him in the backfield. I think he could be their special team return man too. Um, I mean, I, I'm really excited to see what they're able to do with Anthony Schwartz. Um, they they also went out and drafted James Hudson, built some tackle depth, and the the last player I want to talk about here. And this is a player, I think, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, he would have been drafted in the first two rounds. Richard LeCount the third, out of Georgia. And, you know, he doesn't have this elite speed. Um, he's a true safety. Um, you know, he's 5'10", 196, played all four years at Georgia. Unfortunately, got hurt. He was a five-star recruit. He is... Extremely quick for what a lot of people have said, too, is extremely quick from Pro Football Network at you know diagnosing those plays. He's a very quick reader, and you know, they have Grant Delpit coming off of a torn ACL. They went out and signed John Johnson. You know, I think Richard LeCount has the ability to be a potential future starter, but that secondary room, that safety room, looks very impressive right now, especially after the acquisition of John Johnson. Um, or as signing of John Johnson, but you have Grant Delpit coming off of a torn ACL. So, like, you don't know, no one know, like, we don't know what we're going to expect of him. Um, so, I mean, that could be a potential Richard LeCount, Grant Delpit, you know, positional battle. I mean, after LeCount's rookie year, I mean, that's a guy that I, I'm going to keep my eye on in in the preseason. I mean, obviously the bigger names like the, that the Browns have drafted as well. But if you want to talk about some like mid to late round prospects of the Browns to, to to keep an eye on, I've got Richard LeCount on my list.
1: Absolutely. Another guy they drafted as well. Defensive tackle, Tommy Togiai in the fourth round, late fourth round pick. It'll be interesting to watch his development as well. Um, I want to ask you this question. So we know that the Browns improved this Mm offseason. They got better on defense, especially in that secondary getting Jadavion Clowney. I think it's a little bit now of like and I think they're going to be a little bit underrated on defense this year. So I guess my question is, do you think they can get over the hump and make a deep playoff run? Or I guess, how deep do you think that the Browns can make it into the playoffs? Like, who are they going to lose to uh, this season in the playoffs?
0: So I think the only team in the AFC that has the talent to beat the Chiefs is the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think the Bills certainly do have the talent to, because that defense got stronger. I think that defense is stronger than it was that the the, the team as a whole did not lose a ton. And if I'm not mistaken, Nick Chubb might be up for a contract or something. Um, And they kept Kareem hunt for two years. I think Kareem hunt has one more year left of his deal. This team got better and it's very similar to the dolphins where, I mean, Baker Mayfield there was a game throughout the season where he threw like two or three picks in the first half and went on in the second half to throw four or five touchdowns and they won the game. They might have played the Dolphins actually. I can't remember. Um, and you know Baker Mayfield's their guy. As much as some people want to say that the Browns yes, they clearly have not banked on a quarterback in years, especially since they have always made the, they've always made the mistake of starting guys right away to be honest with you. I went to play Baker the entire season, but he had to, they didn't have a choice because Tyrod Taylor got hurt. Baker Mayfield is their guy. Baker Mayfield has, you know, he's got the attitude and the ego that the NFL needs. I mean, there's not to me personally, like I personally right now cannot think of a lot of quarterbacks that have this massive ego. Like cause Lamar does not have an ego. Rogers, kind of he's <laughs> more Brady. like the
1: he's more like petty about it like he's not going to show it like wear right. it on his sleeve like Baker right. does
0: Lamar no ego Josh Allen doesn't like Baker Mayfield I think is the quarterback that the NFL needs like there's no quarterback like everyone remembers him at Oklahoma slamming the flag down when they played Kansas and Telling them
1: to go watch basketball.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like this team, I think has the talent to be, I think, I think they've got, the t- I think they're the third best team in the AFC. I think number one is the chiefs. I think two is the bills. I think number three has the very, very talent as extremely talented enough to be, the Browns, because, I mean, there's two teams that you're going to think of, right? I mean, there's going to be, yes, the Ravens, I should say three, but the Ravens wide receiver core isn't great. But the one argument you can make is teams that have won the Super Bowl, like the New England Patriots, they're 28 to three. They didn't have They didn't have great wide receivers outside of Edelman. The Philadelphia Eagles are another great, if not better example. I think their one was Alshon Jeffrey. They do not have great receivers at all. So I guess that's the one argument you can make. But, I mean, I think Lamar's another guy, elite quarterback, that everyone's going to keep an eye on as well to see how well he has developed as a passer. And the other team is the Titans. Titans also have a well below average defense. They What I really liked, and I'm really excited to see what they can do, is they lost Adoree Jackson and Malcolm Butler, and they replaced him in the draft with both Caleb Farley and Elijah Molden, which Molden should not have fell that far. That was ridiculous to me. One, another team that I think has the potential to be, I don't think they're going to be a deep playoff team, but I think they could make some noise. I still, I have the Colts taking it. No, I I think I still have the Titans taking it. I think what I was (laughs) mentioning to my friend, the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, Carson Wentz is a name that everyone, Carson Wentz might is going to be one of the quarterbacks at the top of everyone's list to keep an eye on. I was talking to Darius about this. One's bad, One bad season should not have gotten Carson Wentz traded. But, you know, they have Jonathan Taylor in their backfield with a Marlon Mack back on a one-year deal. Naeem Hines, Mo Ali Cox, he's on and off tight end, Jack Doyle. <laughs> So, like, decent tight ends, but you go and look at their wide receivers. I think T.Y. Hilton might be up after this year. T.Y. Hilton, I think Michael Pittman is going to emerge as their wide receiver one. Paris Campbell, I mean, their wide receiver room isn't great. I think the Browns are the third best team in the AFC, and I think they've got the talent to be a deep playoff team. Yes, you're seeing other AFC teams get stronger, but I don't I mean, I don't I don't think the Titans, I think the Browns can beat the Titans, Um, especially with Nick Chubb at the realm. I mean, Nick Chubb is easily I think Nick Chubb is a top five running back. Some people have that three over Camara, which I think is kind of bold. I think they're better than the Colts. Um, And I think they're better than the Ravens. And I, I, again, I'll say this again. I guess I'll get your thoughts, too. I think the Browns are the third best team in the AFC behind the Chiefs and Bills.
1: And I think out of those teams you just named, they're the most stable of those teams, which is the like well-rounded, too, which is crazy to say, because we're talking about the Cleveland Browns here right. who had, you know, a quarterback turnover for years. Right. But they're, they're like the only team out of those ones you just named, the Titans, the Ravens, the Colts, that don't have a significant question mark.
0: They're, they're, they're the most. I think a better way to put it too is they're the most well-rounded. Like, yes, as as impressive as the Titans' offense now is, does it really make them clear-cut favorites after the Julio trade to win the division? And now, like now, all eyes should be on that defense. Like, this could e- that could easily be a team where the defense is carried by the offense, because the offense lost a lot. I mean. Th- Bud Dupree was a huge acquisition, so that'll help there. Um and even the Colts, like like the Cowboys with Dak coming out of an injury and like the team as a whole, Carson Wentz could be a hit or miss guy. Although I've I think he's a clear, he's a pretty easy comeback player of the year candidate to pick. But like their defense, their front line is insanely impressive. Pei going there, that is a scary front line. They've got Darius Leonard. Their corners are all right. I would have argued them going potentially cornerback with their first pick. Their secondary is good, but they're not overly impressive. Um, And I I think the Browns, if they do end up trading OBJ, I'm not sure when his contract is up, because I think they have him for a while now, like a year or two more. If they do end up trading him, I don't think they should undersell on him. I think they're going to be very and like it, it, if they listen for trade offers, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think they're going to be very careful with how much they gave up. It's like, look at the Julio trade; that was ridiculous. The, the I don't care if the Falcons he's aging. got
1: fleeced in that trade. I don't
0: care if Julio Jones is aging; he's still top five. I don't care if he's had minor injuries; he's still top five. You should have got a first round pick in return. Like, what you got wasn't bad. You should have added on a first-round pick. And I fully agree. They got got fleeced. And my point is, the Cleveland Browns, I think, out of all the teams I just mentioned, they're the most well-rounded team. Like, as bad as people... Jarvis Landry might be one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL right now that no one talks about.
1: Yeah, because all the
0: attention is on Odell there. Like, yes, he is not a top-10 wide receiver. He's in the 15 to 20 range. You could maybe argue him being in the 11 to 15 range. But like, like, yeah, because you have Odell there. And like, he doesn't have great quarterbacks throwing on the ball. Now he finally has Baker. But no one talks about him because he's always in the shadows or never has a quarterback throwing him the ball. And he's still putting up these consistent numbers. Mike Evans is a great example. Mike Evans, I think, is easily top 10. I think he was top five at one point. He he's Mike Evans has had 1,000 yard receiving reception seasons, or receiving yard seasons, ever since he's entered the league, and no one talks about that because he had Jameis Winston throwing the ball for his entire career until he had Tom Brady throwing in the ball. Allen Robinson's another perfect example. Kenny Galli, those underappreciated. Maybe that's a better way to put it too. Jarvis Landry is an underappreciated wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah, he's kind of like I I heard Colin Coward, I know he's not the best guy for to, you know, be listening to, but I heard him talk about Odell versus Jarvis Landry. And he said Odell is like the big fancy sports car that requires a lot of maintenance. There's a lot of little like a lot of cost that comes along with it. And Jarvis Landry is the reliable sedan that you use as your daily driver. He's the guy that Baker can always find underneath, always getting open, always catching the ball. Whereas Odell, you know, he has these really big games and because he's targeted as that number one receiver, you know, he gets shadowed by the best corners in the league and sometimes can disappear in games as you know, sometimes that happens when you get guys like Jalen Ramsey playing on you. Um, But overall, I think we both agree that the Browns are one of the best teams in the AFC. They're clearly not on the level of a Bills or a Chiefs, but I think they are the best of the rest when it comes to this conference as a whole.
0: Right. So let's end this week's episode with talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. They had a very interesting draft. Yes, they took Jamar Chase. Yeah, I like the fit. I think it's also LSU college bias. Yes, they needed a wide receiver. And I, I have a feeling we're gonna be on the same page of this pages. We're gonna be on the same page with this because I feel like we had talked about this before, Jeff, as they clearly should have taken Pinay Sewell um with the fifth pick. I don't know how he fell to the Detroit Lions. He was a top, I think he was the second best prospect in the draft behind Trevor Lawrence. They drafted a lineman in the second, Jackson Carmen. They drafted Osai, who was also extremely raw. Um, what are your thoughts on the Bengals off season? I think, I think, um, I think Zach Taylor is on the hot seat. I think Zach Taylor, I think John or Joe Burrow getting hurt was the reason Zach Taylor kept his job. Yeah. It's,
1: it's hard to point to anything but that because, you know, with Joe Burrow on the team, I I think people are going to underrate Joe Burrow even this year. Because of him coming back from that ACL injury, they didn't see him a lot last year. Justin Herbert was lighting up the league. I think Joe Burrow's gone a little bit under the radar. And coming out of that draft, I I loved Joe Burrow. I still love Joe Burrow as a prospect. I heard someone say, I can't remember who it is, credit them, he's Tom Brady in the upper half and Aaron Rodgers in the lower (coughs) half. I forgot who was that said that, but... Because, you know, his processor is so damn good.
0: I heard an extremely bold take about him from Dan Orlovsky. And, and like, I'm not, like, Joe Burrow is extremely impressive. And, like, there's a reason he went number one. And, like, I think he's the best college. I think he had the best college, like, season ever by a quarterback. Yes. It, I, I one of, know that opinion not, as well. One of, if not the best. Like... That is like I think I think that team will go down. Uh, I mean, they already have a thirty for thirty. Like that team will go down as one of the best college teams in college football history. And, but the thing here is, this was like halfway through the season. It was either seven, eight, or nine games. Dan Orlovsky said, outside of guys under twenty four. Or, like, guys like Pat Mahomes, he would take Joe Burrow. And it was on NFL Live. And, like, Mina Kimes is arguing with them. And, like, I was watching this live. I'm like, you're taking him over to Sean Watson? Like, and he's like, yeah. I'm like, how? The dude has played half a season. This is clearly, obviously, yes, this is before Joe Burrow got hurt. It's like a few games before he had gotten hurt and i'm not discrediting the like the impress like like the talent of joe burrow but come on like as like if deshaun watson plays which i don't think he does and i who knows if he'll play like he's obviously not going to play for the texans anymore but you could not possibly say that you would rather have joe burrow a rookie quarterback at the time who played half a season over to Sean Watson, who was who's not even twenty five, and he's a clear MVP candidate. Assuming he plays this season, he's an easily top five quarterback in the NFL. That to me was blasphemous. I like Dan Orlovsky. I liked I liked Dan Orlovsky when I'm watching college football games, and like I, when I'm watching like Texas A&M, North Carolina, for example. Extremely good analysis. He's very good at that. But when he he's is. on first take, like he he's gotten calls to be like. An offensive i don't know if it was offensive assistant OC or QB coach. If I'm a college or NFL team, I would hire him on my offensive staff. Like he's very good. They need to get him off first take. Like NFL, like
1: he—he he, and that's—that's that's the biggest problem is when he's on NFL Live or first take. I think you know he's playing it up for the camera
0: a well, little bit. NFL Live, he's not terrible. Just because yeah. like you see a lot of his analysis of like plays like that. He needs to get off first take. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think they're also splitting it. Unless you just... We're just not seeing Molly Cora, Max, and Stephen A a lot. Like, throughout the f- finals or the NBA playoffs as a whole. Like, on first take. Because, like, you're seeing a lot of, like, f- new faces move around. You're seeing a lot of new faces on that show. Like, you know, usually when you see... Like, when you don't see either of those three, it's Charlie Arnold... Um, Damian Woody, a lot of times it's Dominic Foxworth. Um, And I don't remember who the other one was, but. um, But, yeah, I mean, you see a lot of different faces on that, but that to me was just ridiculous. Um, Charlie,
1: here's what I I will say outside of Deshaun Watson. I don't think that take is completely insane. I, although I am a big Joe Burrow guy as well. Mm. I think it's close between him and Herbert. I think Herbert has the edge right now. But I I am a big Joe Burrow believer. I love his processor. His pocket presence is next bar none. Um, he doesn't have the best arm for a top prospect. You know, He doesn't have the best mobility for a top prospect. But everything that he can control... He does so well. Uh, He's very similar to Tom Brady in that end, where anything that he can work on, he is constantly getting better at. He has some of the best work ethic I think we've seen. Uh, You know, going from, uh, what, a sixth round, seventh round, maybe undrafted prospect to a number one pick. Um, That's just how high I am on Joe Burrow. I, I completely acknowledge I have bias toward him. Him, Kyler Murray, those are like two of my favorite young players in the NFL right now. I can totally acknowledge my
0: bias. (laughs) And I—I mean, they didn't make. I don't think they made a ton of acquisitions. Um, I mean, they still have Trey Wayne's under contract. Um, and you know, outside of Jamar Chase, which they should have taken, Penae Sewell.
1: Yes, they should have.
0: My favorite pick by them in this draft. Came in the fourth round. And that was Tyler Shelvin. Tyler Shelvin, I think, was a very underappreciated draft prospect at his position in this draft. Because you want to talk about a guy that will give 110% at the whistle. I mean, you ever, like you, you watch films and you see, like take Xavier Thomas, for example, from the Clemson Tigers. He's an edge rusher. And, you know, a lot of people have written on him, which you, you see it. I mean, the guy that takes plays off. Tyler Shelvin is not going to get you that. Tyler Shelvin, I think, can walk in. Not going to walk into an easy starting job, but he, I think he's going to compete for a starting job. Um, and if not this year, he'll be a rotational guy, and he's a future starting D tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a guy that is a run stuffer. He is a mountain of a man, and he will give you 110% in everything he's got. And that is a guy that I wanted on the Green Bay Packers as, you know, a mid-round gem. I think Tyler Shelvin is going to turn into a draft gem for the for the Bengals.
1: Yeah, I think the Bengals had a lot of good picks in this tra- in this class. I think Trey Hill in the sixth round is another guy to look at center out of Georgia. Um, But I but I think the one thing that I my mind just keeps going back to the Jamar Chase pick. I understand the logic behind it. I, I get it, right? They had an amazing connection at LSU. Mm-hmm. He is... He was <laughs> the number number one receiver in this class, I think. Um, but Panay Sewell was right there. And they still... I, I mean, you have Jonah Williams on one side, but and Jackson Carmen playing guard. But like, other than that, man, there's not a lot of upside on this offensive line. Um, you may... I, I just, I don't know how after seeing Joe Burrow's knee snap in half because of your offensive line, how how your first pick isn't Panay Sewell. And I like, just...
0: it, it's not just like that thing that like, it's not just that injury that happened. Look at the history of the, like Andy Dalton the fire. the The red rocket is garbage. But look how many times he has gotten sacked. Just multiple times. Like, never any time to throw the ball. And I remember my friend Christian had asked me, um, you know, how, how's Joe Burrow doing? It was Bengals-Bills. And me and my other friend were like, oh, considering he has, like, two seconds to throw the ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he Like, he's still very good for, like, two seconds to throw the dang ball. Like, I agree. Like, I mean, they have Jonah Williams, who came off of an injury um, from his rookie season, Torn Labrum. You need two tackles. And that's the other he, thing. You
1: don't even know if Jonah Williams is going to be... Uh, like, he got hurt last year. so like, exactly. you don't even know like, what he's going to... Like, you don't know what to expect out of him.
0: Right. Like, and, like, the, uh, this team... And they don't have A.J. Green anymore, which, I mean, I don't think... I don't going to turn into a huge loss. And... I'm <laughs> just telling people... I think Tyler Boyd is still their one. Like Ooh. I think Tyler Boyd is an extremely underappreciated wide receiver. He is, but under, Jamar under- Chase underrated. is going to take that number one spot because it's him. because it's underrated. I think, or because it's just the, it's just the LSU college bias, which I think is so ridiculous. And like, it, it honestly sometimes doesn't really surprise me that they actually took Jamar Chase. Be, so stupid. Like I, I don't. I, I I think I know. I've I've met one Bengals fan and you know, we didn't talk too much about football, but like I have never seen Bengals Twitter. Um, And like I had what I did shortly after the draft was like after all the first round picks, I would go on their Instagrams, the team Instagram and like their post of like who they picked. And I would look at the comments. Half of them liked it. And the other half was like, oh, my God, we did it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's such, it is such like, a controversial pick. Like, like
0: I understand like one, you needed a wide receiver and like Jamar Chase like is going he's a generational talented wide receiver. Like you had Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins already. You could have easily waited and taken Terrace Marshall Jr. who I was a little bit surprised to see fall. You could have taken Terrace Marshall Jr. over your Jackson Carmen pick in the second round. Jackson Carmen's a good pick. I've seen a lot of him. I saw a lot of people mock him in the third round. But you could have easily taken Panesu at the fifth pick and Terrace Marshall Jr., who is, would still be a really, really good pick at your three. And, like, with your second round pick instead of taking Jackson Carmen. And, like... I don't know. And like this team, I don't really think got better. Like you can say like, yeah, like th- th- I mean, yes, it's going to be a scary trio. It's going to be a scary wide receiver trio for the future. They don't have an O-line. Jackson Carmen might even walk into a starting job. He probably will. It'll be him and Jonah Williams. They drafted Chris Evans, depth piece. Chris Evans isn't terrible. We saw quite a bit of production from him at Michigan. This team, <laughs> this team has years to go. I mean, they like I, I think if the, I think they should fire Zach Taylor after the season because they're taking last. I think their ceiling is third place. Like, I'm not even gonna say that. I mean, I think their ceiling. I think their ceiling is third place, beating the Steelers. But that's that's me being generous. I think like they're like they're they're not they're not a five hundred team. Zach Taylor's getting fired, and they need to bank on Ooh, their here's, next head coaching hire. Here's an interesting situation: Joe
1: Brady, head coach of the Bengals, next year. So after after a breakout right. offensive year with the Panthers, right. Imagine and that
0: Joe Brady is an offensive mastermind, and I remember talking to my friend shortly after he signed. He's a three-year contract, so he's got two years left with the Panthers. I was like, I don't like. like I, I think he interviewed with, with. He interviewed with someone. I don't remember who it was. This is Jags, wasn't it? He interviewed like two or three interviews. He deserves a job, but I think one year back is too early. I think he's getting a head coaching job. Yeah. And, you know, now that you say that, that gets interesting. And they need a court. They need an offensive minded court, like a offensive minded coach. Because they had, what, 17 years, they had years with Marvin Lewis and he couldn't do it. Yeah, it's a team that everyone kept their eye. Like no one cared about because they went eight, nine and oh during the season. Oh, yeah. Wow. This team's so impressive. No one cared after a while because it all depends on what their playoff, like how it is in the playoffs. Look at the NBA. That's a perfect example. It's like the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. They're a, very, they're a great regular season team. No one cares. No one cares. And, and like, no one really cares until the playoffs come because that's when it really matters. Because Budenholzer's last, Budenholzer's last finals appearance was in 2015, and that's when he was with the Atlanta Hawks. All right. Not finals. Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, and I think it was the year before he had Trey Young, so he he never coached Trey Young. Boone Holzer is not good at all historically in the playoffs. Neither is Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is one of the most overrated coaches in the NBA right now. He we is. don't need to get too deep into the NBA, but that is an example.
1: I think he is as well. Just for yes. the record,
0: but right, like you had seven years, like. I don't care, like if he won. Yes, he won a ring with the Celtics. He had seven years to build the team and win a championship with the Clippers. I don't know how he didn't win at least one, especially with the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard coming off of a ring from the Toronto Raptors to the Clippers. And now you might lose Kawhi at free agency, which would be interesting. But that's just my example. I think Zach Taylor's on the hot seat. Um, I think he's his seat is definitely hotter. One of the hotter seats in the NFL
1: absolutely and i think the only situation where i could see them keeping him is just you know just tied tied over for well. joe brady if they really want him which honestly that's not that's not for Bengals' logic that's not crazy so
0: it's, and this is coming from a packer fan like i'm saying he deserved head coaching job this is a guy that i think the packers are going to lose and i i can we could talk more about this guy next week this is a guy i think we're going to lose after next season, the next coach and care, head coach, Carousel, and that's OC Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. He had one interview with the Atlanta Falcons, and they hired Arthur Smith, which we had mentioned earlier. I think we're going to lose him. And, you know, that I think he, he's going to be a name that I think everyone should be looking to interview after next season. But it'll be interesting. Like I said, me being generous, the very best third-place team, but they're... They're not making the playoffs clearly. They're they're not a five hundred team. They're taken last.
1: Yeah, I just wanna note Samuel Cosman, <clears throat> Dylan Redunes were still on the board when Jackson Carmen was taken. Just wanted to point that out real yep. quick.
0: Yep. yep. So I know you were a big I think you were a big Dylan Redunes guy, weren't you? Both
1: those guys. I was I, I was way higher on both of them than I was Jackson it Carmen.
0: Cosme is starting potential too. Like Cosme, yeah. start Yes, he opted out halfway through the season at Texas because of COVID. Rightfully so. But Cosme has start. Like Cosme might even walk into a starting job with Washington. And Dylan Reduins. I mean, their line is good. That's a nice depth piece, nice rotational piece you can groom into a franchise cornerstone starting D tackle. And for a guy that like. And who played at North Dakota State, which means he didn't play a lot of talent. He looked impressive at the senior bowl; like he yeah. really, really held his own ground. So I think, I think where they got him was really. I mean, I I don't think it was really. I'm not going to say he should have fallen that far, because I think I think where they got him with the th- was at the third round. I think that was really really good value for them. It
1: was like right at the end of the second.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that was really, really good value for what the Titans got him for, for where they got him
1: Yeah, Bengals are for sure going to be a bottom dweller team this year, even with you know the offensive talent they have. Real, also, real quick, they, I think they way overpaid for Trey Hendrickson when they could have just kept oh. Carl, Carl Lawson. Mm-hmm. I would like to see him, them then re-sign him.
0: They also of Hendrickson. Right. They also traded Carlos Dunlap in the season. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, yes, he was unhappy. I would, I mean, Seattle signed him to an extension like like, one or two year. I would hope. Like, they clearly, they needed an edge rusher. They reached for LJ Collier a few years back out of TC with the first round. Seattle, like, Seattle has reached for every single first round guy since Rashad Penny. And, yeah, you know, Sean Penny might be a guy to keep your eye on now, but Jordan Brooks built like a brick house. But I would never take him. I would have never taken him in the first round. He was in the 2020 draft. And I don't think Seattle didn't have a first round pick, if I'm not mistaken, in, in, in this past draft. But they also cut Geno Atkins as well. So they don't have which that's another thing, too, like Tyler Shelvin might be a starter week one. Like, they're building young. I mean, Sam Hubbard's another guy, Ohio State native, so he's Ohio native. Sam Hubbard's another guy that, you know, I feel like everyone's kept their eye on to see if he's ever going to – if he's going to make that big leap. Um, and they got Trey wins, and yeah, th- This team doesn't have a lot to work with on their defense. And that's the thing is, who who's going to want to come play for Cincy? And, like – Another thing that wouldn't really be a bad idea, depending on how the offense performs, is why not go after a defensive minded coach? I was talking to my friend about the Cardinals too. Like, you fire Cliff, if you fire Cliff, I think one of the first people you should be interviewing is Vance Joseph. The Cardinals last year did not have, like, they had Patrick Peterson, but Patrick Peterson's out of his prime. Buda Baker, one of the best, safe one of the most underappreciated guys in the NFL on defense. Chandler Jones, like they outside of like those three guys, those two guys. I don't really, I don't. I'm not going to count Patrick Peterson at this point in his career right now. They they didn't have great players like Jordan Hooks. Jordan Hicks is aging now that Zayvon Collins is going to be the starter week one most likely. They're allowing Jordan they're allowing Jordan Picks to seek a trade. He's like 32, 33 years old. He Vance Joseph came in, took that defense from like a bottom 5 defense in the league to 14. And now you're bringing in JJ Watt as with JJ Watt alongside right on the other side of Chandler Jones. So this guy has he's brought this defense a long way and I wouldn't be surprised if it seemed like the Cardinals similar to the Bengals, if they go with the defensive-minded coach, assuming both Zach Taylor and Cliff Kingsbury get fired. Yeah.
1: We'll see, man. We'll see with this Bengals team. Uh, I mean, at least it'll be fun to watch the offense. Hey, they'll they'll put butts in seats. I'll give them that much. <laughs> with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, yeah. they'll put butts in seats. That's yeah, I mean,
0: it. look at the Lions. Panay Sewell put butts in seats. So. Yeah. <laughs> like, Panay Sewell, I saw the other day, was giving out free gear to Oregon fans. So, free Oregon gear to fans. So, that's the guy that's going to put butts in seats. And Dan Campbell's got a six year contract. He won't last more than three years. So, <laughs> he'll be breaking kneecaps ouch. during his time. So, <laughs> ouch. That's ouch. harsh.
1: That's what harsh. Do you mean? It's just you're you're just so harsh to him. You you I think I think secretly deep down I think you hate Dan Campbell.
0: I think he's okay. (laughs) There's so many guys like I just don't like Eric the Enemy. we don't need to go too in depth because we all know like I we we it's ridiculous how the NFL has allowed Eric the to go this long without landing a head coaching job.
1: Okay, but here's the thing: I don't know if
0: the Enemy wants to leave at this point. But what is he like? What is he doing? Waiting for Andy Reid to retire? I don't think so. I'm I like, certainly I'll don't pe- think he wants to go to the Lions. People's only excuse, people's only excuse that I've heard for enemy not getting one is, oh, he doesn't call the plays. I'm like, okay, like then hire an offensive coordinator, like then hire a well rounded offensive coordinator. Like, look look at Joe Judge. And I was talking to my friend about this. Joe Judge, and we we kind of have somewhat differing opinions on this. I had mentioned to my friend, and we had agreed upon this: if Joe Judge, he did he, what? What did he do to land a head coaching job? Nothing. He was a linebackers coach of the Patriots. He didn't have a deep resume. Neither did Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell, was the interim head coach before Adam Gase with the, with the Miami Dolphins. It was 2015, I think. And then he's been the tight ends coach for the Saints ever since. That's that's his entire coaching resume. Kevin Stefanski didn't even have a big one, and clearly he's proved everyone wrong. Yes, it's only been one year, but I mean, his first year he proved everyone wrong. If Joe Judge, this was my statement after this hire, if Joe Judge puts experienced personnel around him, that hire won't look as bad because that Joe Judge hire did not look great at all for the Giants after that once they hired him. But they put Jason Garrett, I think he's still their O.C., yeah. Which it wouldn't surprise me if he lands a head coaching job eventually in the next few years. But like that's a good example. Like if you hire enemy and people like are really that upset about like oh he's never called plays before, then okay, then hire an experienced experienced personnel. And it's like it's like them get like Mike McCarthy gave up play calling duties to Was it Phil them? <sighs> Joe, Phil- too? Joe Philbin, yes, their interim head coach after McCarthy got fired. And I think he was on the Vikings coaching staff. But I feel like I'm getting way too off topic here. But that's all I had, Jeff. Um, did you have anything else to add? Uh, I
1: don't think so. I think we basically said everything we can about this uh, Bengals team. Um, oh, re- heartbreaking. Both John Ross and Randy Bullock are not on the team anymore.
0: Oh so yeah, yeah. I had yeah. to
1: add that's that fine. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Our sweet prince, Randy Bullock, is <laughs> gonna be kicking for the Lions next year. So
0: <laughs> yeah. that's like a perfect pairing, him and Dan Randy Campbell. Bull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think I think a guy that has like potential. I could have seen them taking Kyle Pitts or at least a top name Pat Fryer move with Brevin Jordan, tight end in the draft, or a bigger name. But, you know, keep an eye on C.J. Uzama. I'm very curious to see how he does. Like, yes, you might not see a lot of tight end targets. Heck, I mean, we might not even see a lot of tight end targets in the pa- Like, more tight end as a blocker um, from the Bengals' offense, especially with a T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd wide receiver room. So... But again, like keep an eye on Zama. Yes, like he would. I think it was week two or three. It was against the Browns. on Thursday Night Football, they tore his ACL. Um, that might have been week two. Was it in that week two when like a, so many guys got yeah, tore so. ACL? I think that was. He was the first. I think he was the first guy because it was Bengals Browns, week two, Thursday Night Football. But keep an and eye on him.
1: And it's a contract I'm, year for him as well.
0: Right. So. And like. I mean, yes, he's got a lot to prove, but like he's got—I—I I, I think he has the talent to be to prove himself. Let's put it that way. I think he's got the talent to prove himself, and people write him off because he tore his ACL and didn't do anything. And you know that team sat so long. I think they kept Tyler Eifert for too long. I mean, that team, and he was rumored to the Packers. I'm like, dude, stop! I stop rumoring. Stop rumoring these injury-prone tight ends. And we don't need a tight end. Like, Zach Ertz. Wasn't Zach Ertz a trade candidate? Like, are you kidding me? Like, we don't need Zach Ertz. He him have... to the Packers. We have Robert Tanya.
1: I think that's more... Pa- I think Packer fans also contribute to that a lot. Where we just expect to be... Like, Packer fans always expect anyone who's a free agent to, uh, to come to... There's, there's a certain small sect of Packer fans that are absolutely Bias. deplorable. But like, it's extremely yeah, biased. Like just like,
0: unbelievable. Jeff, I think we could spend over an hour talking about just the Packers next week, but it's going to be tough only designating, you know, a while, maybe 20-ish yeah, minutes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Like, we might have to. We, we'll probably end up. Like, with how little time we'll spend on, like, the Lions, we'll probably make up for it with the Packers. So.
0: And, like, I think the Bears are going to have the second most in the vi- right. And, like, yeah. it'll be interesting. But, like we're kind of foreshadowing this here is next week. We've got the NFC North. Um, So next week, I believe hits the halfway point for us, right? I think so. Cause we hit the AFC East and then the NFC East last week. This week was the AFC North. Next week's the NFC North. So then we got the East, the South. I'm sorry. We've got the South and the West. Yep. To end it. So, and we'll have to talk about this, Jeff. I think once we're done with that, we're going to have to uh, get some college football. Because I think by the time we're done with that, it's college football talk. Which means yeah. we can start doing some predictions for both college and NFL. Um, nothing too much, you know, in the past week or so. Um, I haven't read anything deeper on that 12-team college football playoff. Um, but... Yeah, man, I'm extremely excited for college football. Um, I'm excited for
1: football just to come back and enjoy. I,
0: yeah, man. Like, like
1: those, like there's a certain feeling when Sunday night NBC, like when that comes on, like the, that that weather, like here in Wisconsin, yeah, like there's something about I, it that's just like unbeatable.
0: Like the Chris, Chris Collinsworth, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh, you yeah, take a look at this guy! Like, yeah. Well, here's a guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's something go. about him, it, man. Yeah. It's man. It's truly magical. You
0: got Phil coming in, and like, and then they just mm-hmm. zoom out the Chris Collins, where just adjusting yep. himself on his chair. Yep. Well, here's a guy that I cannot wait, man. That is, I'm so excited, and you got Mike Tirico, the man on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Guy. They really, they really nailed on picking these guys for Monday Night Football. Steve Levy, I love Lewis Riddick. Oh, yeah,
1: I know. And he's a guy who's been looking at getting GM jobs in the NFL as well still.
0: Right. Like there's been talks about it. Right. right. And, yeah. And, and you know, Monday night games have been games where we see more. I feel like you see a lot more viewership than Thursday night games. Because they yeah. pit, they have, there's better Monday night matchups than Thursday night matchups.
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, Thursday night They've got Buck and Aikman, which isn't bad, but I think if they had, like, I, th- I I wouldn't surprise me, especially because Buck and Aikman are NFL and Fox, it wouldn't surprise me if they get to a point where they pick other analysts to replace Buck and Aikman on Thursday Night Football yeah. and have them, you know, just focus on the, you know... NFL on Fox, but you know, just talking about this man, I am so excited. We got Kirk Herbstreit for college football, yes, Joel, Joel Klatt as well, yes, I love man. That man.
1: yes. he's my he, my him and Tony Romo are, are my two favorite uh football analysts out there, yep, I absolutely love that man, yep,
0: um, yeah, I can't wait for the college football Saturday waking up, man, it's it's gonna be great, man, we are. We're halfway through the summer, which means I, I we sent out a tweet the other day. July 9th means exactly two months away from week one of the NFL season. I'm headed up to my... I'm headed up, to my, headed up north to a cabin in a few weeks, the first week in August. Texting my cousin, I go, we're going to be hitting some preseason football. Yes, we only have three games, but we get to watch Jordan Love. Like, we didn't have preseason. We get to watch Jordan Love. So that's going to be really exciting. And, you know... I'm sick of seeing, oh, he's not like, yes, he, I'm I get the he's not ready statements, which we can get a lot more in depth with this next week. But, you know, stop showing one play where he just it completely obliterates a pass and completely misses the net. Why don't you take a look at the coach, his quarterback coach, Luke Getze, that has watched him every single day grow as a player and said he's miles ahead from where he was last off season. So you might get some rants from both of us next week, Jeff. And I'm very excited about it. Um, we'll have to get James on. We might even have to get some of the whole blitz on for the NFC North and make it hell. Maybe we'll get a live stream, man. We'll have to talk more about this, but yeah, I'm excited for the NFC North. Yeah. Um, like I said, we, we try to keep our bias away. Um, Tom Brady's the GOAT. I'm a diehard Packer fan, but huh, but that's yeah. all I have to Like NFC North next week, college football is, we're one, we're every day, man. When I just wake up, we're closer to college football. And I tweeted on my personal the other day, we're a day closer from Pat Baldwin Jr. I'm sorry, you're a Green Bay Phoenix. We are one day closer from Horizon League basketball, man. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to drop Pat 30 Baldwin a game. Jr running the horizon and you know yes i was a former green bay phoenix but i made my way to mke as a milwaukee panther just graduated so now you got a semester left so we're at at the home stretch man so yeah um but yeah man uh, that's all i had did you have anything else to add i did not sweet man so give us a follow on our twitter um we haven't been overly active we're definitely going to try to get more active um and Big news, um, we do have the Fantasy Scoop podcast coming back. Um, two newcomers, new members of the Blitz. Um, and I'll just say one of them right now, is his name is Tanner Duffney. He's a journalism student, you know, looking to go into sports. So this, is, this is the thing, too, is we don't want to be viewed as you know, this, this sports page, we want to be viewed as a brand of aspiring professionals. You know, all of us are here for the same goal. We want exposure. We want experience. And, you know, I'm very excited to bring them on board. Tanner's going to be talking to me within the next few days or so. I'm going to reach out to him. He's talking to his, he talked to his buddy, he's on board and they're going to brainstorm to me. Um, Still going to be called the Fantasy Scoop, um, but you know expect that to be started soon. Um, I told him if he wants to start next week, he can. Um, but first week in August at the very latest, we're going to get that started. I'm really excited for that, but expect something big. Um, hopefully something in the works for a live stream once a month during the football season. But big things cooking, man. I'm excited for these additions, and I'm I'm excited to go forward with this group.
1: Absolutely. As am I.
0: So give us a follow on our social media at blitz underscore football is our Twitter. Um, Jeff is Jeff a 2017. Did I get that right? Jeff,
1: uh, Jeffrey, a 2017. Jeff a,
0: 2017. I'm Sam underscore daring 68. Um, now I will tell you this next week because I think it might be official tomorrow. Jeff knows what it is, so I'll tease it till next week. So you got you got you got to wait another week for my news. So, um, but yeah, man. I'm, so thanks for joining us, and yeah, we'll see you next week for the NFC North.